Thank you for joining uh, the Change I Am Possible podcast. Uh, no, sir, really, really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm so excited about the future, the future of mobility. You know, Hyperloop One. When the news came out that there's going to be a Hyperloop project from uh, Bombay to Pune, I was really, really excited. You know, and I, and I'm excited for the future because you know there's so many. Uh, technology is moving exponentially and it's impacting us in ways which is unfathomable and everything is going to change and going to help us eh? so so tell me for the listeners who don't really know about what hyperloop is can you just explain what hyperloop is in a layman's term sure sure we'll try <laughs> um well i'll try and make it as simple as possible so maybe i'll start with what the problem is that we're trying to solve okay. um as you can see all around you you live in mumbai a highly congested city, right. you know, a lot of people, a lot of traffic, um, a lot of pollution, and there's very little room for expanding the capacity on the existing infrastructure. There's also a massive opportunity in India and in other places around the world to connect cities together to make them more efficient, to make transport more green. Um, and I think what we're trying to do is we're really trying to develop the fifth mode of transport. Mm-hmm which will address all of the issues that the other four modes are not addressing. Um, it's a cross between, I would say, a train hmm. and an aircraft. Imagine bringing an airline speed down to earth and literally you're getting into a plane, but you're not going to an airport, the plane's not taking off. So you're traveling at that speed, but you're literally at the convenience of a train. So that's what we're trying to do. What that does is it really reduces all the inefficiencies of having an airport which requires a lot of land, right. a massive runway, unsafe weather conditions, and also improve on the, the downsides that trains bring, which is basically noise, pollution, again, long platforms, and slow speeds. Right. Um, so what we've come up with, um, obviously the technology was initially um, you know, anticipated and put, put out by Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. Our company is one of the first ones that took it forward and really started to develop this into um, something that's real and tangible. Um, so imagine basically you have a tube, which is about five meters in diameter. We evacuate the air completely out of the tube. Um, in the tube, we have the vehicle, which is called a pod. It's a pressurized vehicle, so a plane without wings. It's the fuselage of a plane, right. essentially. Um, and the pod is levitating on a track right. using mag- maglev. And this is not the maglev that was developed 50 years ago and that was never successfully deployed anywhere in the world. It's maglev that we've developed over the last three years, which is really next generation. It's far more energy efficient. It can take you know terrains that are really steep, and I'll come to that when we talk about the project. And it really is much more forgiving in terms of construction. Mm-hmm. And I'll come to that as well. And then you're propelling this using a linear electric motor. So mm-hmm. it's all electric. Um, and the whole thing is controlled with an autonomous control system. So mm-hmm. there's no human error. Right. There's no room for accidents, you know, because essentially every pod is controlled autonomously and they know exactly where they are at any given time. Um, and that's Hyperloop. Um, essentially, it, it can go direct to destination. So there's no stops along the way, mm-hmm. like trains. You have a pod going from Mumbai to Navi Mumbai Airport. It doesn't stop anywhere in between. There's right. another pod that goes somewhere else, and that goes direct to destination. So that's another unique um, factor. The other benefit is, obviously, it's a show-up-and-go model. So you don't wait for your pod. You get to a station, 
it's on demand, right? So you get there, there's a bonding every few seconds, and that really saves you time. So it's not just the speed. Speed is up to 1,100 kilometers an hour, which is obviously amazing. And that's what people love to hear. Uh, but it's all the other things around it that make it a really disruptive system and make it really unique in that it just saves a lot of people a lot of time and gives people their time back. How awesome is that? You know, in a place like Bombay, I mean, a place like India, which is so congested, which you right, rightfully said, especially the trains. I mean, at this point in time, the infrastructure is really, really horrible. Bombay especially, I think there's around 14 or 16 people who die every day on a... Uh, railway, you know, so, so we definitely need an uh, infrastructure upgrading very, very soon. Uh, so tell me, uh, when do you see uh, the Bombay Pune project ready for commuters? When can I can like jump in and hyperloop and take a ride? Right. <laughs> so it's definitely going to take some time. Right. Um, it's not something that's going to happen next year or anytime in the next couple of years. Um, but all projects of this scale and size take their time. Infrastructure takes time to build. We're, we've been working now with the government of Maharashtra on this project for almost two years, I would say, in the development phase, developing the studies and um, the terms of the agreement and um, you know, the, the entire framework around which this, this contract would, um, would be awarded. Um, we're hoping to go into construction next year. Mm -hmm. And the project's going to be built in two phases. Um, this is potentially the first ever commercial hyperloop in the world. And so we can't just go from not having a commercial hyperloop anywhere in the world to a full-blown commercial hyperloop. Right, right. So we're going to do this in phases. We're going to do 11 kilometers, which is which we're calling the demonstration track. And this will basically be completed by 2024. Right. We'll basically use that to demonstrate the technology is safe get all the safety certification that's required from regulators in India. Mm -hmm. um, we'll demonstrate to the public that it's safe. We'll allow allow people to ride it, obviously not for getting places, but really to, to, to get the feeling of what this would be like. We need people to feel comfortable in this. And once we receive those approvals, we'll move forward to building the remainder of the route. And that would be another five years. So looking at end of you know, 2029 uh, timeframe, whereas you could jump into a Hyperloop in Mumbai and get to Pune in 25 minutes. Lovely. I, I really wish that happens sooner, you know, because we really need uh, our infrastructure to be upgraded. Uh, now, tell me, there was something, uh, a Hyperloop project which is going on Abu Dhabi, right? Too? Right. So there's, there's a few opportunities, or there's quite a few around the world mm -hmm. um, that we're working on is Virgin Hyperloop 1. Uh, we've got four or five projects that are quite active in the U.S., mm -hmm. working with different states. Um, we're working in the Middle East, uh, as you mentioned, with, in the UAE, with Dubai. Um, we have an office there. I'm mm -hmm. based there. That's our regional headquarters. We've been working with the Dubai government for the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, we're studying different routes in the area. Dubai Abu Dhabi is definitely one of them. There's also different routes connecting points within Dubai. Mm -hmm. There's also a new airport in Dubai, so connecting the airports is another um, uh, option that we're looking at. Um, and then we're also looking at projects in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia um, in this region. So uh, there's, there's quite a lot of opportunities out there, but um, I'm happy to say that I think Mumbai, Pune could be the first one. The first one. Yeah. Wow, super. I mean, I really hope that happens. I mean, it's one of the better because, I mean, 
2029 is not too very far away, right? So I was just reading an article, you know, where it mentioned that the Mumbai Pune Hypelo project will create some 1.6 million direct and indirect jobs, plus around 36 billion socioeconomic benefits in the region. Can you share some more light on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we've worked on fair amount of studies right. over the last two years mm-hmm. on this project. So we started out doing a feasibility study mm-hmm. um, with world-class consultants like KPMG. We did um, a full analysis of what this project would cost, um, how much time it would take, what the engineering would look like, what the financial viability would look like, and what the economic benefits would look like. So the economic benefits, um, there's two kinds of benefits really that we're looking at here. One is if Maharashtra and India can be a first mover for Hyperloop technology, the first ones to commercialize it and build a project, mm. there's a huge opportunity to build an industry around Hyperloop technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is the next big revolution. Transport mobility is what everyone's talking about. And it's the biggest problem that's faced, you know, world over. So if whoever's the first mover, and you know, if, if India and Maharashtra can be the first mover, there would be an industry created around Hyperloop in Maharashtra where components can be manufactured, where there would be a lot of knowledge creation and high-tech jobs created around that. And that's more of the gross value add of building this infrastructure here, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of the investment that goes into building it, but also the knowledge that's created by doing it here first. Um, so that's one component of it. The other is the socioeconomic benefits, which you mentioned which is basically the benefit of saving people time. Right. Mainly, right, right? right. Today, it takes three and a half, four hours to get from Mumbai to Pune. If you cut that down to 25 minutes, all of a sudden, you're saving 90 million hours. Right, right. Um, 75 million people do that journey. And, you know, if you, if you average it all out, a lot of time can be saved, which increases productivity. Um, not only that, it also reduces accidents, which you mentioned mm-hmm. are a huge problem um, along the expressway and also on trains. And there is a monetary value that can be put to that in as per the guidelines and the socioeconomic um, guidelines that are that the federal government has. Um, there's also emission savings, you know, which reducing carbon mm-hmm. footprint, um, noise reduction, and having not to build additional infrastructure. So if you're building a hyperloop between Mumbai and Pune, you don't need to expand those roads. You don't need to maintain those roads. Um, you're also saving people from spending money on operating their vehicles and maintaining right. them. Um, so all these things add up, um, and that goes into the socioeconomic benefit calculation. And uh, This is a standard process that's used to evaluate any transport project in India and around the world. The one unique thing that hyperloop brings is agglomeration. Hmm. And that's a benefit that's that comes with improving and increasing the density mm-hmm. of of a place, right? In this sense, so you're bringing Mumbai and Pune closer together in a way. Yep, very true. And you're not doing that physically, but you're doing it virtually. All of a sudden, you act; these two cities are acting as one. And what that does is it it just increases the productivity of the whole region. You're sharing resources, you're sharing talent, you're sharing knowledge. And there's been various studies and research done around the world where if you increase the density of a place by 50% or you double the density of, of a place, that immediately increases the productivity by up to 6%. So all of these things are adding up and there's significant benefits that um, the public and the government can get out of this project. 
Lovely. So you mentioned obviously that the Bombay Pony project is going to save people a lot of time, you know, but the way technology is growing at this point of time, there's this company, I don't know whether you know about it, it's called EXP Reality. It's a real estate business company out of US. It's it's a unicorn, $1 billion company. So they don't have a physical office whatsoever. It's all, they were like a virtual office and all the agents are spread around America and that's how they work. So there's no physical office whatsoever. It's a virtual, built-in virtual reality. Right. So do you think it, it may be like a 10 years time frame or 15 years time frame, maybe a, just a little too late for this kind of technology because possibly around that point of time, you'll have maybe like virtual reality, which will build these offices where you will not have to travel then. So, you know, then maybe your distances are nothing. You don't need to get stuck up in this traffic and sit in a car or in a train or in a plane where you could kind of like, uh, like have conversations like this, but virtually. What happens when something like that happens? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's already happening. Right. right? I mean, I can say that I'm, mm. I have a virtual office, you know, because right. I'm here a mm. few days a week. I'm in Dubai, I'm in right. other places. And I'm constantly in contact with Alec, right? right? And we're doing calls every mm. night, video calls, and we're doing that all the time. Mm. Um, so it's already happening. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. I think, especially in this country and many places around the world, there's nothing like sitting across the table and talking. And that's never going to change. That's human. What, what happens with when, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just getting into a little, uh, what happens when we have haptic feedback and we can touch, feel stuff and then... <laughs> that's absolutely next level stuff i mean yeah. i think i think all those things are possible right and i think you know at the same time you know the population is growing things are growing places are getting denser right more people are moving to cities right the other thing that's going to change is mumbai is always going to be mumbai right right, right. and it's only going to get busier it's only going to get Very denser true. it's only going to get more expensive to live right Pune is where there's opportunity, where mm. people can actually live comfortably, lower cost of living. Comfortably. And, and those, these two cities have a history of having trade and, you know, people commute between them. If you start taking someone that lives in Mumbai, move them to Pune, but they're still able to meet their family, go to work and do other things in Mumbai, that would make it a lot easier, both on reducing the strain on Mumbai infrastructure but also making improving people's quality of life. So I think that's really what um, this project can offer. So tell me, I mean, this happens to be the first project in the world, right? I mean, the Mumbai, Mumbai uh, Pune Hyperloop project. How easy or difficult was it to uh, convince the government? Sure. So, so it has the potential definitely to be the first project. I think it's the most advanced we've gone in our discussions with <laughs> the government. We have other projects running in parallel, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy. Um, it's been almost three years since I first flew into mm-hmm. India for this. And um, it was quite a daunting task. I'm from India, I grew up here, but I've never worked here. Okay. I moved away and I was gone for 15 years. And it was really exciting to be able to come back here for this purpose. Um, but why India is, is a really good question. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to talk a little bit about why we're here. Um, a lot of people ask us this question, why, why, why India? Why do you think mm. this can happen first here? Um, so a couple of different reasons. I mean, one, it's obvious. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's an amazing market for infrastructure, for transport. India hasn't embarked on mm. 
a high-speed transport between cities. Metros are being built, that's urban transport, but there's nothing connecting cities at high speed. The railways are, you know, obviously one of the best in terms of the network that India has um, as compared to anywhere in the world, but they're at capacity. And, and speeds are obviously not keeping up. Um, so that's one. Um, we also ran this competition called the Hyperloop One Global Challenge um, about three years ago, where we asked the entire world, you know, mm-hmm. where do you want Hyperloop first? So it was countries, governments, states, cities, people, universities. We got responses from all over the world. And India was where we got the most responses wow. from. Um, I think there was something like 700 entries from India. Um, all the way from, you know, the IITs, Bitspilani's, um, ACOM, the engineering firm, various other institutions, and just the general public. Right. And it, it was just too much for us to ignore. And so we came here and we did this event called the Vision for India event. Um, with literally, you know, little knowledge of the market, very mm-hmm. small team. And, um, you know, so I was one of the first people to, to come here and try to get this thing going. Um, and it was a daunting task. We didn't know where to begin. And um, I think we've made a lot of progress since then. Um, we started out talking to the central government. Right. And uh, we had conversations first with the railways and other authorities. And then we started looking at what states, and this came out of the Global Challenge because they also recommended routes around India that made sense. And we started looking at that feedback and looking at what states make the most sense. Mm-hmm. And what routes um, make the most sense? And Mumbai Pune was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at any city pair around the world, uh, you won't find one like Mumbai Pune. Right. It's just got you know the perfect, in terms of like the distance, in terms of the traffic, in terms of even the terrain. Even though people say it's not ideal, but for Hyperloop, that's one of our value propositions that we can do steep terrains wow. and maintain our, our speed and energy efficiency. Um, so we started our conversations with the Maharashtra government uh, about two years ago, and immediately it was a spark. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we could sense that they were really understanding what we were saying. They saw the potential in technology. And I think you really need visionary leadership to, right. to take this opportunity and really move forward with it. And they really hooked onto it and they said, you know, we would like to study this further. Um, so we did a quick pre-feasibility study we looked at Mumbai Pune. We also obviously got our investors on board and people that would actually you know, sponsor this project. And it, it was absolutely a no-brainer that this project could be viable. And from the government's perspective, it really solved a lot of problems. Um, so that's when we signed this agreement called the Framework Agreement. This was in 2018, which was really an amazing moment. We had Sir Richard Branson here, our chairman at the time. Um, and in the presence of the prime minister and the chief minister, we uh, signed this agreement um, just to basically look at how this project could be built in phases. Um, so we started out then by doing a feasibility study. And all throughout, we've had the government overseeing and providing feedback and supporting us along the way in, in, with data and other um, elements. And everything's obviously been done by us as a consortium. Hmm. And we submitted our unsolicited proposal to them, um, which resulted in us being appointed as the original project proponent. Uh, right. This was this happened very just recently. very recently, and the project being declared as an infrastructure project, which right. is actually a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's the first time anywhere in the world where any government has declared 
Hyperloop is an infrastructure project officially. Mm-hmm. Um, that means it qualifies for all the, the incentives that any public infrastructure project would get mm-hmm. in India. Um, so I think it's a combination of, you know, visionary leadership, right. our company, our investors supporting the vision and, um, and working together on this. And I think the next steps where we are right now is we are in a phase where we are about to, or the government's about to launch a tender. Mm-hmm. This is a competitive process. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not guaranteed the project. So the next stage is they will, they've got our proposal. They'll reach out to the market to mm-hmm. see if anyone wants to match it. Uh, it's called the Swiss challenge method. Mm-hmm. And once that's done and the best proposal will basically get awarded the project. So, right. so that's where we are. Things have moved very quickly and, um, and it's been very exciting. So, so, so besides you guys, obviously there's not many, right? I mean, there's besides you, you guys, there's... Um, so there's there's definitely a few companies out there. Right, right. Um, there's, um, you know, the market's growing. I think there's a lot of opportunity. And um, I would say that there is um, competition and, right. um, as there should be. Yeah, but yeah, that's... Which is a good sign. Yeah, which is a good sign, completely. Yeah. So, so, so tell me, I mean, you know, I mean, you've been engaging the government and now they've been going gaga over it. There's, there's a whole lot of press, media that this is going to be possibly the world's first uh, project. Are you now kind of like talking to other, uh, looking at alternate routes in India? You're talking to other cities? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we also had spoken to other cities and states even before Maharashtra. Right, right. We had already done a pre-feasibility study in Andhra Pradesh. We have an MOU with Karnataka. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now working on an MOU and we're, we're in the process of working with Punjab. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is really, the, the ultimate vision is to create a network in India. Mm-hmm. That's when you get the maximum benefits of right. Hyperloop, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, think of it as physical broadband, mm-hmm. you know, unless you have a network, it really doesn't make sense. Right. You know, so, that's when the maximum benefits will be reaped. So we really want to connect all tier one cities in under two hours. Mm-hmm. That's that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be looking at the pipeline of projects here. There's a lot of opportunities and um, working with the federal government as well to do that. Lovely. Super. So Hyperloop, it promises 750 miles per, per hour. That, that's, that's faster than a plane, right? It's, uh, it's yeah. just on, yeah, it's around this, yeah. yeah. And eventually, definitely, it's going to get much faster, right? That's what it promises. Now, how safe is this system? I mean, the pod, because, and how many people can sit, uh, be uh, sitting in a uh, hyperloop? Sure. So, the pod, um, as of now, we're looking at about 24 to 28 passengers per right. right. Um And they'll be seated. Right. So, there's no concept of people... Um, you know, Stand. in the pod, yeah, right. you know, being right. safe. Right. So it will be very safe from that perspective. Um, the pods will have life support systems, um, just like plane would. And <laughs> uh, if if you go into a low pressure environment, um, there is safety is a number one priority, right. Right. and we're doing everything we can to design the system to be inherently safe. Mm. And that's that's really the vision. It's that eliminate all the risks. Mm-hmm. As we're designing it, we're designing mm-hmm. a new mode. We know what's wrong with the other modes, and we can we have that advantage to design something that's safe. Um, so things that make this safer than other modes: one is it's weatherproof, mm-hmm. so it's in a tube, it's enclosed. You have no um, weather events that can impact it. Mm-hmm. The other is it's fully autonomous, which I mm-hmm. mentioned before. So there's very little 
room for human error. Mm. And then, of course, the, the braking systems, the propulsion systems, everything's going to have redundancy. Mm. Um, people also always ask, you know, what happens if something happens to the tube or yeah. you know, if, if there's a rupture in the tube? And literally nothing happens. Mm. Um, the pods just slow down because the uh, air goes into the tube and, and there's more pressure in the tube. Um, so we are working on all the different scenarios on things that could potentially go wrong at this phase and trying to eliminate that. We're also going to be doing a lot of tests before we put a single person in a pod um, in a commercial Hyperloop. There will be tons of tests and independent regulators and safety certification experts coming to make sure that this project and this technology is ready to implement. So which is why we're building phase one here in India first, mm -hmm. which is a full equity investment into the development track. And once that's done, once we've proven it's safe, then we move into phase two. Lovely, lovely. So uh, uh, globally, are you guys engaging any government or uh, uh, any Hyperloop projects that you can talk about? Sure, yeah. So like I mentioned, in the US, we're working with um, um, at least half a dozen states, right. um, Texas, Missouri, Colorado, um, we're working with um, Washington State, I believe, Kansas. And so there's quite a lot of activity in, in, in the U.S. Um, also in Europe, we're working very closely with the regulators, mm -hmm. DG Move. And that's essentially to create a regulatory framework within Europe. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., we're working with the NET Council, which has just been formed. And it's essentially a group under the Secretary of Transport, the Department of Transport, to look at how new technologies, new transport technologies can be regulated. Um, so there's a lot of investment going into, um, by governments, going into how do we regulate and make sure this technology is safe, which is a really good, good sign. And it's not just us that's pushing for that. It's also some of the companies, other companies in the market. Um, and then the same thing is happening in India. We're working with the uh, principal scientific advisor um, for the government of India to look at what the regulatory framework should be. So so there's projects around the world, um, the Middle East, I, I missed mentioning, but we talked about before, we've been working with the RTA uh, for three years, the Roads Transport Authority um, in Dubai. Um, so there's, there's quite a few countries and governments that we're talking to, and uh, I think it'll continue to, to grow as and as a so, so you know, I mean, India we've got 1.3 billion people, right? And you know, millions of people travel in the train. So you mentioned that there's around 24 people in a pod. How do you think that's going to be feasible? Right. Great question. So I think um, that's the misconception that we have because we have fewer people per pod. Um, people didn't think that the capacity of the system is, is smaller. Um, we will have a lot of pods, mm -hmm. and the beauty of that is that by having smaller chunks of passengers leaving um, more frequently, you can allow for flexibility. Mm -hmm. One, it gives you on-demand, mm -hmm. so people can come show up and leave mm -hmm. instead of waiting for a right. full train to be to board. Um, and it also gives you direct to destination, which I mentioned where each pod goes straight to where it needs to go. Right. So someone going to Pune will board the Pune pod mm. and go straight to Pune. Um, the capacity of the system uh, for this project is in the order of 200 million passengers per year. Mm -hmm. um, the current traffic between Mumbai and Pune is about 75 million. 
mm. and that's expected to grow significantly in the next um, 15 to 20 years. Um, so we will, you know, definitely exceed the demand um, by building the system and we'll be able to carry, um, you know, whoever wants to ride. Lovely, lovely. I'm going to be in first line. So, so tell me, I mean, you know, are you aware about the uh, Avishkar Ipaloop? It's an Indian company. Ankit Kukadia, I believe, is. Uh, and just recently, I think they, they were in the competition for SpaceX for the Hyperloop. Right? Yeah. I mean, are you aware about the Indian ecosystem? Besides because besides Avishkar, I think there's like another Hyperloop. Some, somebody else also is building. So what do you think about those guys? We, how, how far? We love uh, it. I mean, it's great. So um, we know the guys at Avishkar. We know yeah. the guys at uh, Hyperloop India was another, um, another group a uh, couple of years ago. So these teams, um, I like to call them teams because they've been formed out of universities mm. and they've competed in the SpaceX pod contest um, in Los Angeles, which uh, which happens every year. And um, we're a huge supporter of, um, we've supported and sponsored a few teams that have participated in this contest. Um, and it's really good for the industry. In fact, when um, the Avishkar guys were in LA, we hosted them oh, in our nice. HQ as well. Right. And uh, it's great to see the ecosystem building here. There's a lot of young talent here. And for me, it's exciting because as I start building my team here in India, um, I'd love to bring some of these guys on because, I mean, some of the, the greatest minds um, are here. All right, lovely. I mean, I guess collaboration is the the, the future. I mean, Elon Musk uh, built that model, open AI model, I think, open source. I mean, where everything is open. I guess that's the only way where you can push drive the ecosystem and grow things, you know, faster. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, India definitely needs an infrastructure. I mean, uh, we definitely need an infrastructure uh, uh, upgrading, you know, I mean, uh, and we need to adopt all of these technologies, you know, because it's just going to make life so simpler for us, you know, travel. I think most of the times, I mean, we, we, we stuck in traffic, you know, and there's productivity work is, is much less. So, so, but there's a lot of naysayers, you know, who says, Ke matlab, oh, Hyperloop is never going to happen, you know. So, so what, what do you have to say to that? Sure. <laughs> so the first misconception that I'd like to clear up mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, the number one thing that people say, when they hear about this project mm. is criticism mm. for the government right. on why we're doing this mm. when you know we have other issues other mm. problems um, and that's that's fair enough and that's going to continue no matter what um, happens but one thing I'd like to clear up is that this is a fully privately financed project mm-hmm. um, so that means the government is not putting the taxpayers dollars into this project right um, there is a commitment from the government to provide the land, which they already own. It's part of the right-of-way between Mumbai and Pune. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that people believe the technology is not real. It's not there yet. Um, we built a full-scale test track. Um, we've demonstrated technology works. We've actually had a delegation from Maharashtra in, um, at our test facility, and they've seen a live test. Um, happen and we're continuing to develop on that and you know and, and build more features into that and continue to demonstrate that it's safe and, and it's real um so so the technology is real we've spent more than three years developing it um, actually four to five years now um we've raised close to 300 million dollars doing that 
Um, so as you can see, there's commitment both from the private and public sectors only because they see it's real. Mm -hmm. um, people would not be supporting this technology on either side if they believed it wasn't happening anytime soon. Um, so I think it's it's real and it's happening here potentially first. So Lovely. I think everyone should get excited. Lovely. I'm so super excited about this. So tell me any uh, any moonshot you have for version Hyperloop or. So I think you know we have we have a very creative bunch um, at our company. I think some of the the smartest people I've met, mm. um, some of the brightest engineers mm. um, that have come from you know companies that have actually achieved moonshot ideas, mm. um, SpaceX, Virgin Galactic, etc. So. Um, so there's a lot of ideas flowing mm -hmm. always. Um, one of the visions that I can share with the company, which um, which I can because it's 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 been out in the public, is imagine if you can get straight from your home mm -hmm. to your destination mm -hmm. with a hyperloop somewhere along the way, but never getting out of never switching modes. Mm -hmm. So a vehicle that literally picks you up for your from your home goes into a hyperloop gets to the other side and autonomously takes you to, to your destination. That is a future, future vision that we are absolutely going to look at. The other one is obviously using completely renewable energy, solar power, etc., mm -hmm. to power the Hyperloop. Um, that's something that's probably not as far away, but that is something that we want to achieve. Um, so there's there's a lot of ideas and a lot of ways Hyperloop can also integrate with other modes and other smart cities systems and things like that. Um, I think for me personally, I think this is definitely something that's game changing. It's um, you know it can really change the lives of people. Uh, personally, I would like to see and work on um, at some some point in my life, um, you know, a moonshot in the area of energy, like. <laughs> making energy um, cleaner, but also not having to burn fossil fuels at all right. um, to create energy. And I think there's there's already a lot of ideas out there. Mm -hmm. People don't think of that when you think about Moonshot always. Um, but I think solving big, the biggest problems we have is something that I want to focus on. Lovely, lovely. Thank you. I mean, it was a pleasure talking to you. And one note to end on, you know. Clean energy, you know, I mean, the world is dying at this point of time. You know, we're polluting the world, especially India and Bombay. Uh, we need we need these systems like Hyperloop, though it's in a very nascent stage. Possibly it's going to take maybe five years, ten years down the line. But I guess it's going to make life simpler for us. Travel time is going to be awesome. It's just going to enhance our productivity. So so cheers to that. And, oh, hopefully I'm looking forward to, uh, look forward to, not hopefully, look forward to travel in a Hyperloop, uh, Hyperloop uh, very soon. And uh, if you like what you see, please press the subscribe button. Like always, I'm going to have uh, all the links uh, of a guest below in you can connect with him because that's what this community this platform is all about is building a community and until next time see you guys bye bye thank you